0: I heard mother and like, relations sing over the years, so I kind of learned it off them. The ones coming off, so called Group of Young Soldiers. A group of young soldiers, one. <laughs> of the boys surely you'll...
1: starting with a song is quite unusual but I think that what it does is actually it's, it's attempt to reconnect people in with what is beautiful, culture, remembrance and also a different tradition. So, so i start first with so a sense of introduction. So my name is Owen de I'm a traveller, I'm involved with kind of many different kind of groups and societies and settings but most of all I'm actually here very much in the context of, of my own person and, and in, in celebration and support of both this project and the travellers that it both remembers. Uh, reminds us of and seeks to support us to go ahead. I'm actually very delighted actually to introduce as well here uh, Rosalie McDonough, claywright, artist, activist, um, kind of on the first and only travers to actually to be a member of Astana. Um I couldn't say enough about her, but I think the kind of, and her history and her, and her integrity, but so I think actually having Rosalie here today is, is one of the opportunities for many people who haven't met her. I'm also uh, very kind of uh, thankful to introduce um, Anne, yeah. um, who's a kind of an academic and a researcher in regards to um, how people, I suppose, archive and research and preserve or challenge our sense of history, like the in the community setting as well as actually going ahead into our own histories and our shared understandings. I'm also very happy to introduce uh, Jessica O'Donnell, um, who is the head of education and community outreach for the Dublin uh, City Gallery in the Q Lane. And you're very welcome to be here, and um, like I'm looking forward actually to very much to your presentation. And last, it would be to uh, Seamus Nolan, who is the leading you know, the artist within this work, and who I suppose has been one of the main conduits between the community and this archive, and has developed in solidarity with Paddy Point and Ayo the other travellers the um, the online website as well as many of the things we were discussing today. Um, I just wanted to kinda of cover a couple of things before we actually start into the, the discussion and inspiration that um, collaboration around travel history and heritage is actually quite rare. For the vast majority of our history, it isn't being our history, it's been settled versions of our history. And um, if you look at our language, the vast majority of our language is are recorded like by Leyland and Samson and kind of Dutch tea and kind of uh, Mayo, it was actually people editing and reviewing and almost an external view of who we were. If we look at our photography, uh, very oftentimes it almost borders on voyeurism. If you look at kind of our sense of kind of our social history, it's always the external, wider view and settled normative view of the world rather than our own. So I think actually what we're trying to create here is something that has been done in slight bits in the past, you know, but I think it is an amazing opportunity to, to really invigorate it. And bring it on to a, to a new setting because our histories while are very much shared i think that in the past we have all been i suppose fallen victim and uh, to a great degree to the editing that happens between uh, communities and how we they want to present ourselves and share ourselves and also how the work community might be kind of i suppose interested or find do about us and i think that as we go ahead i think that those thoughts and ideas should be very clear in our minds because we very rarely have the opportunity um, to actually share who we are. Because often often we gravitate towards what we think other people are interested in, and what might create more solidarity rather than the truth of who we are. And um, I'm actually kind of very much looking forward to the project itself growing and flourishing. And hopefully it will I suppose, lead towards a lot more sustained and aware um, connection between both communities and both people in the past, the current, and our rising generations. So I think what, what we'll do next would be to uh, also, before I uh, continue, is that, unfortunately, Celine O'Leary was actually supposed to open today with a song, but unfortunately that she's quite ill at the moment, but she very much wanted to be here. This is something that she's quite passionate about. So we kind of just thoughts to, to her today, and I'm sure that she, she, would, she would, be, would undoubtedly be missing it. But I'm going to pass over now to um, Seamus uh, Nolan, who's the artist, uh, who's, I suppose, and his present- presentation on the
2: uh, tribal Collection. Okay, well, thanks very much, everyone, for coming. It's, um it's kind of, it's the culmination of a lot of work and it's also just the start of a lot of work. Um, myself, like I've, it, it's taken me months and months and months just to get a handle on kind of traveler identity and culture, any kind of sense of even knowing what it is. Um, and, you know, many of the books that I've been reading have been written by people observing travellers as well. Um so like it kind of led me sort of to understand the kind of the kind of presumed sort of differences with travelers that have been started to learn are are simply that there are differences. And the difference is mainly that travelers' voices are not heard. Um so like there's this kind of huge diversity among um, traveller community um, and it's uh, the history, one history of travellers versus another history of travellers versus another history of travellers is kind of um, is kind of what I've been learned there is a huge variety and um, so many different communities have different stories about their origin and um, you know origin isn't it's kind of a distraction to actually what travellers do um, where they come from, but um, I think what I'm trying to say is I still know very little about Traveller culture. Um, and what I do know is from people's observations of Traveller culture. So I think it's really important that travelers' voices are heard, and it's also very obvious and clear that Travellers are moving towards archiving towards collecting, towards presenting very definitely what their culture is. Um, another thing that kind of struck me whilst I've been looking at um, travel culture is the kind of depth of knowledge that travelers have of their own culture. Um, like I was considering like, my own father, he like a farmer, and um, the culture he grew up in is completely different to the culture we grew up in. But um, the kind of criticality and the understanding of the nature of, kind of farming and industry of farming that he is now inevitably part of is not part of his kind of um, his understanding of what it is he does. Whereas I think travelers have been faced with um, such kind of um, discrimination and um, marginalisation and stuff that they've had to really define and develop and understand every detail of the culture and every detail of Representation works, and how misrepresentation works. So, um, the travel collection Budget is is just simply a way to try to compile what all of those different perspectives are on travel, on travel history and culture. But it's in no way exhaustive, and it could never be exhaustive because everybody's experience, like in every culture, is completely different to everybody else's. But there are really important issues that need to be. Um, addressed and presented, and I think Traveler Collection offers one small way of doing that. But like I said, the project kind of runs side by side with what travelers are doing themselves, and this is a huge. Will towards again like, um, visibility and like, in Cork, there's a huge amount of work being done in Dublin. All the organisations are really, really pushing. But the fact is that. There is no kind of representation within schools, and there's no representation uh, within museums, and the culture is, is very much still marginal. So, um, the project is about trying to develop a kind of a dialogue around how these collections, these organizations, and these non travel organizations, how they all kind of view traveler culture and how we could. Accept the diversity of what that is and the connections that exist. So um, yeah, there's um, I don't know if there's too much else I can say. There's uh, the website is on the go at the minute, and it offers the opportunity for people to contribute items, and, and it also presents different collections from a variety of you know state and private collections. But like I said, it's no way exhaustive. There's so much more that could be there um, and hopefully will be there as time goes on. we have also been working with Eve Olney and she's been uh, conducting workshops throughout the country with different organizations to kind of just kind of do the, the research to figure out what are the issues and how they should be spoken about and how would something like traveler collection be representative of travellers and how would it be managed by travellers um, and what is exactly uh, what exactly is important that goes into it and what shouldn't be in it. Um, so for the moment what you'll see on the website is stuff that basically I have put together with some, some researchers here at a point about the objects here, but you know, it in no way says this is traveller culture, full stop and um, it, it hopefully is a start for other people to start saying that is right, that should be there, that is not, that shouldn't be there, and to begin to begin to kind of gather and point in those in the right directions. Um so that's kind of all I'm gonna say for now. If anybody has any questions maybe that one. Thank
1: you, Seamus. And I think actually um you actually you worded quite well but of what the, this initiative, as far as I can see, is, is questions, questions that we actually have never had the opportunity to answer in the past. Questions of how do we view our own heritage, how do we view our own culture in a collective setting, and who gets asked to present that, and who gets to carve that, and who gets to create that, and to how will we adjust it to our gender settings and our adjustments to our geographic locations. And those questions we've never really had the opportunity in the past to ask. And I think this is the, one of the first platforms in which we can create it. Um, I'm actually going to pass you on to Eve who did a lot of work in the past with, uh, with travel organisations uh, kind of across, the, the, across the regions and uh, I think that her study and her views is actually very, very interesting and I look forward to um, people kind of, I suppose, engaging with it. And, it was, and after this we're going to start the first small session around Q&As and then move on to the second session. So I think that just get a little bit of feedback and insight from module one from people here. Thanks very much Eve. Yeah.
3: So as James was saying, um, basically um, my role within the project was to um, uh, run a series of workshops with as many travel uh, travel organisations or agencies um, as would be possible within the the kind of time frame we had. Um, I've just started here with the slides. This is literally the kind of e-flyer that uh, we sent out. And the idea was to start, you know, just even asking the very simple question to get discussions going as to what might a future National travellers archive look like. Um, and then how it would might represent a National Traveller identity and culture. And I think as Seamus alluded to, even the idea of there being, you know, what would that be, a National uh, Traveller identity. Um, so again, this was, Just a brief description of, uh, this. this was sent out to, we got a a, a long list of different organisations and agencies around the country, and uh, basically emailed uh, information about the project out. Um, And this was, so as you can see there, um, the workshop basically, um, I would start with a very short presentation of a kind of a slide presentation. Talking about uh, the existing national archives and museums, um, and um, then this kind of, and then the another. This was followed by other slides and whatever, but basically it kind of covers these questions: uh, What might the significance of having a national Irish Traveller um, museum be? What is the desire? Is there a will for it? Um, how it might be then logistically constructed, what kind of things or objects should be included, uh, who should be directing and maintaining the National Archive, and how it might be different to existing Irish National Archives or museums. So as a way of um, focusing the discussion then, I asked each group to bring in something, some objects that they deemed, um, that they felt should be included in a a National uh, Travellers Archive. Again, this is just a model of of the uh, workshop we did with um, the the kind of leading question, the interpretive community, which was uh, travellers and those working with travellers' agencies and myself, the chosen object. And then the idea is after the series of workshops that I would correlate all this opinion uh, from the different groups and um, and basically try and create some sort of of coherent document and pass it back then to present it back to the those who are interested in participating. Um, these were just a set of questions that we, myself and Seamus, uh, before the workshops uh, began, that we kind of came up with, uh, again, around the questions of representation, and um, the idea of, again, as uh, Seamus uh, alluded to, uh, the idea of inclusion, exclusion, notions of authenticity, so what would be um, deemed to be sort of authentic, um, li- affiliated with travel culture, the idea of public memory again, questions of whose public memory um, is a uh, public memory within a um, traveller's culture different to um, that of the sort of the dominant national <coughs> narratives? Who is the archive for, um, and what might the state's involvement be? So, uh, and again, issues around uh, representation and identity. Um, so, again, this is just a like just to demonstrate the type of slides. And again, I had this idea of the very first workshop I worked like this, I presented this uh, slideshow and talked around the existing um, National Museum of Ireland. Um, And uh, actually, as the the workshops progressed, I used them much less. Um, I literally just turned up with the laptop and had the slides (coughs) like props, basically. So um, I realised over the kind of course of doing a few workshops that was better the less I spoke was better because there was just more discussion and actually a lot of discussion uh, focused around the objects that people brought in, and um, so that worked much better. So again, I'll just go through the the kind of questions that we were discussing and really, uh, that were raised through the the workshops. And then I finished with, um, basically, quotations from um, the people who um, participated in the workshops. So, yeah, so the first one was, I just talked very briefly about the existing National Museum of Ireland, the type of buildings, um, and that was kind of in relation to how, or to raise the question of how might a National travel Museum be organised or housed and located. So people had different opinions about this, about whether it should be centralised in Dublin, whether it should be multi-sited, whether you should lobby for uh, existing museums or local libraries to um to give uh, permanent space um to travellers to travel culture and travel history. So again, um as I go through the the quotations afterwards, um it was it actually kind of built up over the series of workshops because obviously what was brought up in the first work, workshop I carried into the second workshop and so, so on. So. Um, Those sort of nice sort of transfer of, of uh, discussion between them, and um, again, it was the idea of um, what is chosen if there is a, a future national travellers uh, archive or museum. What is it that should go in actually, and what is it that's representative of traveller culture? And based, so that raises the question then of who should decide what is included. Uh, in this museum, and how might that be organised? So again, the sort of logistics of how that would even um, be agreed upon, uh, what type of things, you know, so again, there suggestions of maybe committees, of local committees, and then, uh, then a centralised, maybe national committee. Um, and this, I use this particular slide um, uh, for the idea, of again, the idea of um, kind of the national identity of museums presenting this idea of national identity. Um, and you know how, how that should be really kind of challenged, actually, because when you go to exhibits like this, um, like I was speaking from my own experience, I don't really see myself reflected back at me, or I don't recognise myself as an Irish citizen kind of reflected back at me. Um, and so we were talking about the whole kind of absence of, kind of gap, complete absence, actually, of traffic culture and history within um, the current exhibits, um, and as I learned, again, as I was saying earlier, I was kind of using my own, as a settled uh, person, I was using the kind of my own ignorance of Traveller culture as a measuring stick. <coughs> fact, from from each workshop, I just learned much, so much um, more and more about Traveller culture and actually the extent of the gaps and the absences within uh, the current sort of dominant national historical narratives. Um, and one of them that kept me up was uh, the war, basically uh, travellers. Um, involvement in uh, 1916 in the Rising, in Civil War, or the, the World Wars, um, that a lot of people had um, had come across documentation or photographs of their grandfather's involvement in the war, and you know that they go to the you know if you go to these exhibits, there's actually there's absolutely kind of no sense of this at all. So again, it's that question of what would be the specific stories or narratives that actually need to be told, and retrieved. Um, and told about Catholic uh, history and culture. Um, and then another question that came up quite a bit was, uh, again, around the idea of public memory when we were talking about that, was um, <coughs> how, how, you know, even again logistically, so should, you know, again, if we prefer to kind of imagine a future national archive or museum, um, should it be understood separately from what exists at the moment or should it be integrated within what's there? So again, opinion differed on that as well. Um, and, that, uh, and one way actually, again, it started off, in the first kind of few workshops, it was the dominant opinion, the general opinion was that it should be actually kept, kept quite separate, again, with these maybe localised, kind of multi sided um, sites where collectively it would be understood as a national museum. Um, but then within one particular group, that turned because they were saying we're sick of being marginalized, you no, know, we should be completely integrated into the likes of Collins Barracks or the, the Museum of Country Living or whatever that, you know, these things need to be rewritten, actually, and, and include um, throughout history. Um, again, that's the same, sort of again, the idea of uh, value and ownership. So then we just went through the different types of museums, of representation, of experience, both historic and cultural, uh, how the something is categorised, completely changes the kind of context, the meaning of an object, so again we spoke a lot about the, oh yeah, and then also, as James was saying, there's so many, uh, this became very apparent with the different groups I was, and individuals I was talking to, um, everybody was collecting something in their family, so there was always, you know, there was this treasure of kind of family heirlooms, that have been passed down through generations. So, again, it's that idea of how something which is understood as something of personal value might then become, kind of, transfer um, or translate into becoming cultural uh, and um, kind of representative of a broader uh, culture. Again, then I introduced the idea of the database and how that might be useful in, again, correlating. And so a lot of the opinion that came from that was it would make... Um, what exists at the moment, uh, visible to each other. So groups who would have no sort of knowledge of each other, again, because the complexity, I mean, you know, how, how to describe or understand a culture. Uh, so, it, yeah, so you'd understand the kind of overlaps, or, um, yeah, that you could kind of share what you have, and then if there was something similar, something of interest, that you could contact that person um, as well. And um, so, then, just with regard to the kind of objects that uh, that the groups brought in, uh, I ended up then. The first workshop was in Happy Point here, um, and then we we had two attempts to have a workshop with the with the, the new trans workshops living history exhibit, and and again the way it turned out was uh, when we went up the workshops weren't possible for Happened then was we ended up having these incredible conversations with uh, Dan McDonagh, and at one stage with Michael was there as well, um, which wouldn't have happened if the workshops had gone ahead. So again, um, we kind of gained an awful lot of information from from it. she just had encyclopedic knowledge of of, of, of really, um, and then the, you can see there this sort of a bias <coughs> towards the uh, Cork <laughs> in the other groups, and. The, the reasoning behind that was, again, as I said, uh, there was, we sent emails out to everybody, but again, with this type of project, it needs the time, really. It really needs time um, to, to, to do it um, in any way sort of in depth. And actually, the way it worked out was the, the, kind of the best way of approaching was that I would ring up or I would contact uh, an organisation and uh, schedule a meeting with them first. Um, and then we'd have that meeting. Sometimes the meetings would go on for one or two hours. And again, an awful lot would kind of happen within those meetings. And then we set up the workshop. So that was because I'm from Cork. That was possible to do around kind of Munster. But um, for further afield, again, it would just take much, much longer to kind of, um, to be able to to kind of get the the, kind of the breadth and the scope of uh, of the country. So they're the groups, basically, that um, that I did workshops with. Um, and again, just to, to refer to the objects. Again, I don't have specific photographs of the Pathy Point, because at the time, I wasn't um, documenting them, because this was the first workshop. But um, the object that was brought in, well, there was two objects, a miniature wagon and a copper bucket. But what was really interesting about the, the miniature wagon was, again, around the table there was um, Including the of people, it was, it was kind of uh, multi-generational. So there was kind of young guys, maybe in their uh, late teens, early twenties. There was middle-aged people. There was older people. And when we started talking about the wagon, when others started talking about the wagon, what became really apparent was everybody had a different story, um, kind of historical context, cultural context, um, um, and and so that kind of question rolls then as to you know, for something that's so sort of iconic um, and associated with travellers how would you then or how would an archive of a museum really uh, represent the complexity of these things you know that as someone maybe outside the community would just kind of glance and go oh yeah that's kind of a traveller a different sort of traveller symbol so it's again was that idea of you know how could the museum or the archive be used to kind of reveal that kind of complexity of the culture actually um, and then, yeah, this is from the Leeds Fabulous Workshop in the Living History exhibit, which actually happened to be down in court last Saturday as well, um, next to the, the public museum. <laughs> and this, the, the, the guy, the tinsmith, again, he talking to Nell, um, became what became one of the main things that came out of the conversations with her was uh, she was uh, talking about this particular man and that he like five sons, and none of them were really interested at all in taking up. Tim Smith and um, you know so we're talking about again that the kind of loss of crafts and loss of tradition and um, that maybe younger generations aren't interested in, in, in um, kind of maintaining or preserving so again how the museum see the archive might be useful in that sense of kind of documenting um, that sort of craftsmanship um, and preserving it. This was with the the uh, Travis North Cork um, and Charitable women's group. So, again, with the Travis North Cork, it was decided uh, by them that they would have a women's group and a men's group, and um, so everybody would. It, it was kind of understood that it'd be easier for everybody to kind of have a voice and, and um, kind of get their opinion across. So they brought again a selection of objects, uh, some miniature wagons. But what really became um, the focus of the conversations was this. You can see there, the left a framed photograph of one of their uh, deceased sister. And that sparked um, really um, interesting and kind of poignant discussion around uh, death and traveller culture and ritual and tradition and religion, um, as well as um, health issues and social issues. So and again, that was raised as well. You know, are these things that should also be you know included in museum or archive? Should it be just celebratory, or should it be more of a critique? Um, you know, so these sort of more sort of in, in, in depth kind of understandings, how, how might they um, be represented or come across? Uh, the men's as well. They bought this animal, a hammerhead that was over 100 years old, and that kind of raised uh Issues as the miniature wagon, as to but it was to do with um, selection process of what should go, you know, what should actually go into archives or the museum, because as they said, you know, what if you have ten hammerheads or you know, so who's to say one is better than the other or whose story is better than the other, whose family deeds? So again, the idea of kind of committees and um, a kind of travelling exhibits or that there would be um, kind of a rotation of exhibits. Uh, was discussed as well. And actually what was really, it, it was—it's even the chronology of the workshop worked out really well, because a lot of the time, questions that were raised in one were kind of answered or addressed in the next one. So the previous, uh, in the the men's group, um, again, they were talk, talking about, they, they felt really, really strongly that um, it shouldn't be um, that that shouldn't be marginalised, basically, and they should be integrated into like somewhere like the likes of Collins Barracks, uh, quite prominently. And but then they, they were saying uh, they were kind of discussing, well, you know, uh, kind of good luck with that, and how would that work? Working with curators who deem themselves experts, uh, so there was quite a lot of cynicism, of scepticism about that, about that notion of collaborating with people who deem themselves to be of experts when they understood themselves to be experts of their own culture. I know it was the idea of so I'll get a curator to come and live with me for six months before they can tell me what's valuable about traveller culture. But then when I went to um, the Cork Women's Network, we had our, uh, the workshop at the Public Museum in uh, Fitzgerald's Park, and. That actually addressed an awful lot of the questions that, was, uh, that w- had been raised in the former workshop uh, regarding how actually collaboration might work with uh, institutions or museums and, and traffic groups because um, as they um, um, kind of discussed or spoke about it, they have a very healthy working relationship with uh, the museum and with the two curators that uh, they've worked with so far. Um, and again, they have this like really beautiful permanent space within the museum. And um, so this is a permanent exhibit of the wagon and there's a miniature caravan. But then, as you can see around the walls, um, there's and also a statement as to what or who travellers are <laughs> as well, which is incredibly important uh, for those you know because the the way it's, where it's situated with the Fitzgerald Park, every you know anybody and everybody <laughs> walks in. So you know, if you imagine tourists tourists wandering in they see something on the vikings below they see something on the 1916 rising below and then they go upstairs and it's traveler culture and they meet a wall of Traveller culture is and it's all part of you know the idea of the kind of the national culture and um, so the way they you know again they, this answered an awful lot of questions for me and we were saying afterwards that this would really be kind of presented as a working model as how you know these local uh, kind of multi sided museums might work um, in lobbying for a permanent public space within existing museums or existing kind of cultural centers. Um, and then the idea of this sort of deluge of stuff. Uh, you know, um, <coughs> they also spoke about having to. Sorry, <laughs> Louise <is> here. <laughs> this release was telling me in night that, you know, they had this kind of deluge of stuff. They didn't want to turn anybody away, they didn't want to insult anybody. So they kind of included everything at the beginning. Um, but then, working with the curator and uh, Leanne McDonough, the artist, um, they, they curated, they started kind of curating and pairing back. And the way around, I suppose, not representing everybody at once is that they would hope to change the exhibit every six months or so, um, mm-hmm. as well, and working again with the curators, and then they would have other stuff in storage, so at least things are restored. So, when I was talking to, to uh, Bridgie there as well, that she kind of led the, the workshop. And she was saying as well that the database would be amazing for all those things that are still in storage. So at least they'd have they'd be visible even when they're uh, kind of not being exhibited. We also talk about you know exhibitions like this then that could travel and actually travel kind of around the country so people become aware of, of each other's um, kind of cultural riches. Um, and then my last one last week was with the Kentucken Fabric Development Group. And again they just presented like this really rich sort of array of, of different types of objects. There's one they're making flowers, there's paintings. Um and get it just kind of came across the, the, the kind of all the kind of different artifacts, um, things that would have to be accommodated and how they might be as well. And um, what what uh, one of the main kind of points that came up here as well was the idea of you know, they're saying this is stuff we do already. We you know, we're always doing stuff like this, like uh, but it's more pop-up exhibits. So again, it was the idea that they really like the idea of the database um, that actually might allow some type of kind of permanence. Um, you know that because they said what they're very bad at is documenting and kind of preserving. So all their kind of hard work after, to say Heritage Day or whatever, kind of goes into the cupboard or um, and it's not really kind of uh, preserved or thought about again. So again, just very briefly, I don't know how much have time yeah and um, so these are i'll just i'll go through quickly because there won't be time to read all the, the quotations but uh so what i'm doing for the uh, publication um is i'm just hoping to, to kind of quote people directly under specific headings so again so it's not to, i'm trying to avoid as much as i can speaking for people and um, so i thought the best way to kind of represent the opinion is to kind of. Why names aren't behind this is because there was an agreement with each of the groups beforehand that people would remain anonymous. Because the idea for the workshops was that we would get general opinions, so you know that people could speak freely without uh, feeling that what they said afterwards might come back to haunt them. And um, so, and then uh, again, when I chose the quotations I wanted, I went back to them to see if it was okay. So, it's basically just the, the, the kind of workshop or the, the group that's identified. Um, so, at the moment, I'm kind of dividing all the quotations into four different uh, kind of themes or uh, subjects one around identity representation, the significance of the need or value, and um, the other is the kind of logistic, or you no, know, actually, just even what it would be what would the museum you know, what would the National Archives Archive be. Uh, how it would exist, uh, currently then kind of the logistics of running it on a day-to-day basis, and finally then the kind of sustainability of it, and the kind of critique of this particular project as well, how this project's role would be. So again, I, as I said, I won't have time to go through them, but uh, a lot of um, issues about representation, discussion came, was about younger people, and uh, again, like using the Kant language, um, the idea of stigma, of, of kids being in school and kind of hiding their identity, their traveller identity, uh, nearly uh, or um, and the idea that if there was a prominent museum, or a museum where the kids would be brought you know, a school towards something they could point to and say, that's my culture, and it would be, know, be something that they're proud of. So it was, again, this idea of an existing museum or archive presenting counter-narratives, positive narratives, to what's there at the moment, sort of with sort of the negative media. Um, and then, let's see if this. Yeah, again, it's the misrepresentation by kind of settled people or photographers coming in as well. And with one of the main things actually came up with, uh, was the idea that even when they're asked, when people are asked to donate stuff to museums or to exhibits, um, an awful lot of the time they've gone in and they've been um, misrepresenting that the proper names haven't even the, the photographs, uh, sometimes they don't even bother asking them for details of their names and also even to do with objects that there's no um, acknowledgement that this came from any particular person or whatever and that's right across the board actually, And um, there's an awful lot of complaints about that and how upsetting it that is for people when they go going to look at their own exhibit, you know, their own um, objects. Um, and again, the idea of value, that if something, you know, that if the travel culture was represented, this big value, then, you know, if it's sitting side by side with an Eileen we screen, for example, um, there's a specific kind of value that's being put on it. Um, what was interesting as well, just in relation to identity, a lot of the people in the groups were saying, you know, if you ask, Uh, Travelers, whatever, you know, they they were saying, I'd say I'm Irish first, and and I'm a traveler. So it's that idea, again, of just being kind of completely absent from Irish national narratives. Um, And then, as I said, the opinion differs between, well, everybody agreed on a permanent site, and that it could be multi-sited, but there would also be a kind of a centralised one in Dublin. And because, as the men pointed out, they were sick of being marginalised and they thought that was really important. Um, and whereas the women uh, disagreed and didn't want anything centralised in Dublin. They thought everything goes to Dublin anyway. And they said it's not even practical for the women, this is now women in Munster, uh, to travel to Dublin. Because their kids, you know, you know their kind of daily lives uh, they wouldn't warrant it. So they're saying it's important that they never see it. Um, and then the logistics, it, again, um, a lot actually came out of you know, even a, 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 to the point of um, the men talking about how committees could be set up, um, the kind of logistics of documenting things. And then again, this is from the public museum, um, that, as I said, that we can kind of used as a the model. Uh, they talk about the very positive working relationship with the curators and the collaboration that works really well. Um, and then I'll just... Like through this is the idea of this how be sustained, um, but I think it's fair enough. There's a lot of kind of questions as to where this is going, like even this one here: what does happen next? And um, as you were saying, there's quite a lot of interest and there's momentum to get things up and running. But then the money for this project is gone, and like I think it's the only happening because it's been a budget allocation and people are interested in doing it. But what about it? when that's gone and you're not around? So again, it was this um, I kind of s- skepticism. You know, even at one point, uh, the woman was saying, "Look, I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but we're so used to kind of um, kind of funding thrown at something and then it not being sustained, and then people said, oh, 'Oh, travellers aren't far that because they're just not interested.'" Whereas they were across the board, uh, they were saying that actually really needs to have enough lot of support, from, particularly from the state, like state funding. But also from institutions, organizations, and several people in different professions and kind sustain it in, in any sort of uh, way. So I'll just finish there.
1: Thanks. Thank you very so much. The lot of very interesting Around us, having to have sensitivity in how we're engaged with like history, both so as a community ourselves, and as well as in relation with the white community, who, uh, how, unfortunately, in the past, and how it's had the best track record. And um, it's also about whose voices get edited. Like I quite, I quite agree. and expect even within kind of my own family, if we picked items of what we would find to be of importance in order to pass along, it'd be great variance in our opinions, and that's what it is. And, and, and what often happens in those places. We, we invite everything in and sometimes that that can be very inclusive when I said they can be very divisive because everything's included and we're not actually highlighting things of actually of substantial historical depth or kind of insight or things that actually I suppose have a, have a real connection that actually might be rare and known from, I suppose known by most. I also kind of always feel that when we talk about culture and heritage especially where our travellers it's often very heavy it's a very heavy subject we go oh there's a struggle and there's this and there's the history of kind of this violation and which is very 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 true and it's very very real and it's something that's actually obviously still ongoing in many people's lives but also there's a lot of beauty that many people including many travelers aren't as aware as we should be there is a history there's a lore there's a, a dynamism, and when we talk about it we very easily and very quickly can fall into that kind of stagnant space Up, so it's a lot of work but you know what? kind of but it's a lot of good work it's a work that gives voices to people who are unheard. It's a work that gives a huge insight and kind of religion to the past and to the future. And it's stuff that needs to continue. And I know at the moment that kind of the next one, do you want to start with people? I I just going to ask Ian, because yeah. it's a very interesting So would you consider yourself, in terms of the process,
4: uh, would
3: you consider yourself a happy crew, or is that, or how? Uh, yeah, even just geographically, um, I, yeah. Way, <laughs> you know, to yeah. get more ground covered basically, Donegal, and um, just to have that type of. Um, ref- Jordan, sorry? Jordan, yeah, Jordan, yeah Jordan. well, uh, I mean, the idea is uh, <coughs> we were talking about the amount of agencies, so yeah. I think that I think maybe you were saying about 28 or. Yeah, yeah. Um, ideally all of them, but that's not possible, so you know. It's, quite, it's quite process. Because what's actually happening is it, beyond it, initiating interest. It's initiating sort of the linkage between the, the different workshops. So even um, as having kind of the common denominator of me going around, then it would be you know I would be in contact then with uh, specific people heading the agency. So it might you know mean it's easier then to um, kind of organise I guess or kind of get feedback. i think like very that it's, it's nothing, I don't know if it's there, it's what we do already, <laughs> yeah, Um. but it's, it's the idea of how that might actually be preserved and shared, actually,
2: become more visible. Like, could I just also say, I mean, just in terms of the project being funded and stuff like, um, if you lane offer with CREATE kind of looked for project that would be kind of socially engaged within the area of Dublin um, 1. Like, it's not that they were saying we need to do a Traveller project and um, we need to involve Travellers in the Museum. It was, like, I kind of felt that, especially with all the mobilisation stuff around ethnicity, that there needed to be some engagement with the city's gallery, which is, you know, ten minutes that way, and Traveller organisation, which is right here. Um, those linkages need to be made. and. Um, There's a difference between (coughs) presenting work in the museum and presenting work in a gallery. It's it's a completely different kind of context. But that context needs to be kind of challenged a little bit, um, and there needs to be visibility in both senses. Um, So for that reason, this kind of exchange between the one piece of work that's here and the pieces of work that are in Hugh Lane at the minute are about that kind of bridge and how People need to work together and they need to look for solidarity in both senses. And um, the conversation needs to kind of be opened up. And whether you know we're right or wrong in how we kind of approach it, it's still about allowing that conversation to happen. It's really important. Um, the funding for the project is because we've searched for like I think there's a huge willingness for all organizations to engage with each other, and I think there's a willingness with other institutions to engage with traveller organisations. But I just think it needs, there needs to be a kind of an impetus, or there needs to be some people who really push it and look for those kind of uh, connections.
1: Mm. Um, I think that's actually quite a good point, but I also think that we need to be very confident that we need to also move beyond the structures and the organisations, which also are also very important in order to seed and anchor, but also be just to be realistic that not everybody is connected in with an organisation. Sure, be, be it with like the wider kind of as well national or regional, and to make sure through I suppose the other mediums that are being developed that it is still sort of very open to anyone kind of can have a voice. We've a couple of minutes to stay on track, but um, get stuck in, Martin. Sorry, Bob, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, for the conclusions. Um, it, I think one of the advantages here, that
5: needs to be emphasised, is is about. And I, I've said this before on a number of different occasions. It's about the community having ownership. Control and and the right to interpret our own history, our own identity, our own lived experience. I think, as you pointed out, too many others who are not from the community have fulfilled that function. They've done the research, they've done the documentation, they've done the interpretation, they've decided what type of representation there should be at in mainstream institutions and and so on. Uh, So I I do think it's about uh, bringing all that back to the community and first having that. I
6: yeah
1: very strongly agree Martin especially as, as someone who's from Galway and even tonight for instance is the summer solstice is lit down, which means in two two days we have bonfires uh, which is not a part of the of the expression here in Dublin and it's a huge part of my yearly sense of my family and my connectivity. So yeah. like and we don't need to trade. I think there would be a very strong argument to have a national focus as well as a local focus in order to make sure that all voices and all levels are actually heard. Oh yeah. Yeah.
6: My, my turn, but I have the microphone. Yeah, you keep going. And as suppose as the echo, marks. Uh, you know, but I would say on my journey here today, I was thinking about one day on Monday and Tuesday, the O'Connor's family yeah. were evicted, and me, that narrative and that part of our history belongs not only in the museum, but also in our academic syllabus, where we are. I also think there are other uncomfortable issues that we haven't named. One would be racism, and that would be both within the museums and outside the museums. The other would be the owners of traveller artefacts and the misappropriation of traveller identity for economic exploitation of our people. And the other, as well as a delicate issue, would be uh, an was hasn't decided but the legacy of traveler history in the last fifty years has has been almost kind of on the one hand you have the romantic notion of singers sitting by the by the campfire and then you go to the other extreme where you have the Irish boxer. Rancy Paris wrapping himself in the Irish flag, for which he had the fight to do that. That wasn't an invitation. They didn't want him to hold a flag. So I think in order to narrate that creation I don't think that one museum be a traveller only or being part of and national I is big enough to hold or to document what we've been through. Mm-hmm. And, and just two Mondays ago, what was the day we had a meeting here? Um, which one, sorry? We had a meeting with Eva and Seamus. Yeah, and the yeah. Yeah. Well, the Monday, that was a Monday, that was the Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah.
3: That was on
6: yes, yes. Well, the Monday, previous to that, I was doing my homework, mm-hmm. and I went into the National Gallery, and I asked, could I see the Yes paintings, and they were looking at me, and I said, the one with the travellers, and, and there was a little difficulty understanding my speech, no, so I repeated, I got others. And I was that? You mean the utterance? I knew I couldn't believe it. I, I suppose, I, I'm reminded all the time, sometimes you get into a headspace where you expect racism in certain places, but for a moment, I was cut off guard, so I think along with this initiative there has to be an acknowledgement first of all that racism does exist within the artists arena despite their liberal mm-hmm. agenda. Racism, draws Ballard, is very much part of that agenda whether they want to admit it or not, well, but also the need for training and anti-racist training for those who work in galleries and that they are not immune. And I would imagine that over the years, travelers have been refused entry into national museums and that too has to be named and called for what it is. Um, the last thing I would say is, as a, as a writer, um, I write for a broader audience. i have always, that's who I am, that's what I am. I've been challenged, challenged about, oh, you know, you're too polemic, or you're too political, you're too insular, you're... you're you make it very uncomfortable for a subtle audience. And I would respond and say, well, I make it very uncomfortable for all audiences. But I, I feel um, it's important. And again, there's diversity between travelers and everyone has a right to identify in whatever way they want to be identified. But when I was accepted into Astana. I'm there as a traveler. I'm not there as just another playwright. Mm -hmm. I'm there as an Irish female traveler, playwright. And part of this project, as well as all the other elements, and what we used about building self-esteem, and confidence that the are traveller artists in lots of marinas. I know them and they're not Irish, they, say they couldn't, they, they, their career would be damaged. I know one traveller who works as a, I don't know what they're called, he hangs paintings in one of the galleries, what do you call them? And anyway, I own. He's one of our own. And he won't he has never identified his his employers don't know his work colleagues. And indeed some of his family don't know where he works. Because the other side of it is within our community sometimes and rightly so. art could be the last thing on our agenda. It would be better but for basic human rights, the art is seen as animal luxury. Uh, And that's also another factor within this initiative. While now is the moment and now is the time, we, we have to decide on the place. But I still wouldn't want other issues to lose their priority over and above an art museum. Yeah. I, or any, I, I just wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I say that as a writer and somebody that might have hopefully their work documented. Yeah. But at the same time, like Monday day when those family were evicted and shoved into a hotel room for two weeks, I think I know where my priority is, and it certainly wouldn't be in a museum mm. while people are still living in very harsh conditions. I'm sorry, when I went, <laughs> <I> went <laughs> on no, no one's ever going to stop you. <laughs> um, yeah. thanks, thanks. But just very briefly, that came up again and again in the workshops the latent racism of the mainstream media.
3: Um, the fact, I remember we were chatting in uh, Mallow and they were saying it's so all very well saying this, but we're to go down to a cafe now, we won't be left in, You will, you know, those sorts of um, And so the, what the, the kind of point that we're making as well, I, one of the men was saying that anytime time anything happens to a horse, whether it's got, it has nothing to do with travelers, he has every radio station ringing him or whatever for some sort of quotation. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the idea was that he's explaining to the other men that is the, if there's other those sort of critiques that again Martin was talking about, then the critiques of the way counter culture has been represented, that it, as a history in itself, and um, then it's actually you know at least it's giving another kind of statement or another insight kind of to things that uh, people can uh, you know people generally can refer to or relate to as opposed to just purely the No,
1: I think that's very true because I think without the the full context, we're actually doing Community and other harm by selecting things going, isn't this wonderful? Lout saying, This is wonderful in the context of the, our incredible struggle and the incredible honest of what people are experiencing on a daily basis. And yet, we still create beautiful things and we still have beautiful.
6: Oh, one more thing yeah. um, photography, one of the most conscious-raising exercise for me was, and I know management killed me because it should have been done better. But it was a photograph, I um, don't think 12, 13 years ago now. And um, I remember very well the circumstances. There was a barrier and people weren't able to get in or out of their homes. And there a took a photograph of Martin. That's the other time. Was that not yours? the one Yeah. uh, uh, And those, those are equally as important by way of narrating our lived history, but also by telling our young people. The wagon is fine and lovely and romantic, but what happens behind the wagon is a lot more sinister.
1: Thank very it's very poignant, um, actually we seem to be rounding up on on time and we're going to actually pass it over now to um, Jessica O'Donnell and I think that as we go ahead to what we've just heard, I think we need to actually really strongly bear in mind. Thank you
7: very much for inviting me to be here today and uh, thank you for being here today as well. Um, I'm delighted to, to be here and um, I suppose as um, James said already. Uh, the, the connection with the gallery is through the Create Cap Collaborative Art Partnership Program, which is an EU-funded trans Europe uh, project that aims to unite on an international, national, and local level. So, um, as part of that uh, collaboration with with Create, uh, the a uh, uh, local call is made, and over 41 very high caliber. Um, artist submissions from all over Europe were received, and James Nolan's uh, proposal for to look at traveller culture really stood out um, amongst those forty-one uh, proposals, and he was um, awarded the commission. So, and the um, I'm kind of aware that I'm speaking about your project as well, James. So I know you talk probably more as well. So, um, but, um, so the idea was to to traveller. Uh, history, culture and the idea of archive and deconstructing all of that from the gallery's perspective, it was very much about creating connections with the immediate communities around the gallery, with its immediate neighbours, specifically in the north side um, of Dublin, as we all know, we're, we're one square away from each other, just a five or ten minute walk, so it was really to make um, to make those um, connections. Um, and. Um, James's exhibition, which is opening tonight, and the invitation to the ex- exhibition opening is obviously extended to everyone here. So I hope you will have the opportunity to come up. Um, it's it's fantastic, um, but it's actually only the beginning, and I and I can see that, and I know James could probably say it has as well. Um, in terms of um, um, what's what's on view, but also how he intends activating the exhibition through uh, digitizing the collection or through people. Leading towards or through other um, programs that are that are planned to take place. So it's really, in a way, um, only a beginning. But I'm just showing here some of the, the, exterior, the, external, the exterior of the gallery and really striking uh, banners of, um, highlighting the exhibitions that are on, on, on display as well. So it's really uh, prominent. Uh, we have um, two exhibitions opening at the moment. So it's really, uh, there's a lot happening um, at the gallery over, over the summer uh, months. Um, as well. Um, so, in, in the exhibition, um, there is um, 123 volumes from the uh, special collections, of Ulster University, that have been uh, borrowed, and that contains ephemeral material related to, to traveller history, history and culture that will be publicly digitised and added to um, a website that, that James um, has developed. There's uh, uh, the James Steel objects by Tim Smith, uh, James, James Collins seven paintings on loan from um, Pave Point uh, by Mick O'Dea. Um, and what's wonderful is um, to see the beautiful um, street singer by Jerome O'Connor, so beautifully presented here in Pave, but also the paintings by Mick O'Dea um, on loan to the gallery as well. So it's really um, lovely um, and important exchange then as well because I suppose it's um, it's we, we this is I suppose, exceptional to have a work from the collection on loan. In this context, um, obviously, works are loaned often to museums and galleries. Uh, there's always, there's usually a very long need in time. There's, you know, has to be by, a committees by boards. There's a whole load of things that you have to go through. Um, and I think when James proposed the idea, um, he had an even broader uh, a collection of, of works that he kind of was considering um, as well. So, um, which is really, really interesting in the way that he looked at the collection um, in the gallery and the work of the street singer by Jerome O'Connor was chosen um, for that. So I think the way that it's presented in this context today is really beautifully done and the way that it's activated as well by singing at the start was, was really, really lovely. Um, and Mick is, you know is obviously aware that the paintings from the Martin Follin collection here at Cave are known to the Hugh Lane, and he said that he's very moved by, by that um, uh, as well. And then on top, we have I mean, the hand made paper flowers um, made by the women from the primary health care travel project here at Pave. And Seamus has just arranged them so beautifully in the entrance hall. Um, they are like a garland, uh, a very joyful garland, and people have already remarked the attendance at the reception desk visitor screen, I mean, how joyful it is to see those and um, What's lovely is the architecture of the building as well has all these swags and all this foliage coming from the Corinthian columns and just how you just how, how well I suppose they complement um, each other um, um, as well. Um, and again, um, lovely to have it so um, it when you immediately arrive into the gallery and then make your way through to the exhibition itself, which is um, in Gallery 10. But I just said that I talked a little bit about Street Singers since we have it here um, on, on Padme, uh, in, in Pave here. And it's a uh, work that was chosen by, by Seamus um, and um, it's by Jerome Connor, who's from originally from County Kerry near Annis And um, he was born in 1874 and at a young age his family emigrated to the United States. When he was about ten years of age, and shortly afterwards, his, his father died. And but uh, apparently, when he was in growing up as a boy in Kerry, you know, he, uh, he used to make figurines. So he had this sort of innate um, artistic flair from a very early stage. But he's a very interesting character himself, uh, Jerome Connor. He um, ran away, or depending on what you read, he ran away from home at a very young age, or he had to leave to find work because his father had died. So he was. Uh, prize writer, he was a sign writer, um, and he also um, became pre- apprenticed to um, a sculpture studio at, at a young age. And he had a great affinity for the um, Native uh, Americans, actually, people of uh, various tribes um, in um, Massachusetts and upstate New York, and you can see some of the work that he created in the background. This is Jerome Kahn himself, and he was known for having massive hands, and that probably stood to him when he was a, a prize uh, fighter, uh, very striking but very reticent character um, as well. And he came back, um, he came back to Ireland actually to work on the Lusitania Memorial in Cove. And he had this very um, interesting blend of very public realm projects that embodied sort of national ideals and heroism, not in a sort of uh, pedantic kind of way, but in a very humane way. He wanted the, the memorial in who's in Cove, for example, to be about peace rather than, you know, to have more universal appeal. Uh, sculptures by Robert Emmet. Uh, sculptures of era, so very sort of allegorical um, works. His work was represented in the Smithsonian, but he also had what was um, characterized as very, uh, nearly his, his more important work of the 1930s, which uh, were his um, sort of work of free pieces. So they were, I suppose it gave him the freedom to experiment and to represent what he saw on, you know, in his everyday life. Uh, people that he saw, people that he knew, um, as well, rather than the the larger, um, more allegorical and um, subject. So that's where the the street singer um, comes from. That that subject itself, and as you can see, it's an absolutely tiny uh, piece, um, bronze uh, sculpture, and he only worked in bronze. Really. Um, in stone or marble. But um, he it was a subject that he did on, on various um, occasions. Um, these two works here were, were other sort of variations um, on the theme. And this is Bellman here, which was a, a fellow that used to deliver um, coal. But you can I suppose the expression that he captures in the in the work is very striking, it's very immediate and um, despite being such um, a small work, it has a very spiritual sort of luminous quality as well I think to um, to the work um, and you can see that in, I suppose the other work where the singer has her you know her head kind of thrown back as if, you know in the throes um, of singing and he did adapt the the sculpture to an Irish context as well because some of them were more say generic in a way but he putting he moved back to Ireland he was responding directly to to an Irish um, culture as well and um, with the, with the um, headscarves um, there. And he was known um, as a sculptor um, of the people. He, he worked in kind of an arts and crafts environment and an arts quality, um, in an in, artist colony in the United States. Um, but moving back to Ireland, he had to fight very hard. He um, was quite poor um, and he um, was very lucky to have a few patrons that really supported him um, in buying these little works. So for example, a street singer was donated to the gallery by Mr. and Mrs. John Hunt in the 1960s, and another collector called uh, J.P. Digby, uh, bought these little pieces here and actually wrote to the minister for supplies you know, during the Second World War, actually begging for money for paraffin for him to be able to you know, uh, make the make sculptures and to, uh, to, to make the bronze. So um, he's a very interesting um, artist and very important artist, but one that was sort of overlooked uh, for, for many years um, as well because he was more well known nearly in the United States rather than um, in, in Ireland. So, fantastic to see, to have the work um, in, in the context here. But I suppose I just wanted to say as well a little bit about the context of the, the project in terms of the galleries community outreach as well, and the projects that, that we do, that, um, and I suppose what, just hoping to have a legacy over and, uh, and beyond the exhibition um, here it is only a starting point, but it was, has been, you know, in terms of making connections with with the communities to actually um, build on that. And I know that some initial conversations that we had about potential workshops that could potentially take place. So we have very nice all our projects are artist led, and we do projects um, for children age one right up to adults. So and it's never too early uh, time to start. And early inter- intervention is always. Seen it as a good thing. So these are some of our workshops for our, our early years, one to three. We also for example, did workshop last summer with the Sheriff Street Recreation Centre, where the we did projects on, on one day in Sheriff Street and on Friday the, the children came to the gallery and walked between the two. So it was making those physical connections uh, between the spaces and using the outdoors. They a beautiful court, well, the small little courtyard garden, beautiful and, you know, uh, looking at nature, and we had an exhibition as well of their work in, in the gallery. And again, it was just um, making these works more prominent as well, um, and visitors uh, were very, I suppose, pleased to see um, the type of work uh, being made. we were also working with the foundation Project, which is the City of Dublin Education Training Board initiative for families using the homeless services and we've been working with the foundation project for the last year It started off with a few um, summer workshops and um, from last september then we've been um, we had workshops twice weekly after school for primary school uh, children and what you come to realize is the whole idea of civic space the how important I don't know, in, in the gallery be a beautiful dedicated educated space but even the gallery itself if you think of the um you know the children perhaps here in the hotel room or even the, the They have in their community quite confined. Just coming into the gallery and experiencing that space, we've done lovely meditative walking uh, workshops where they're experiencing the the paintings from another, kind of more sensory um, perspective.
6: Um, Also, a project that we're working on at the moment as well with the Fountain Youth in collaboration with NCAD, looking at our stained
7: glass and and the young teenagers, sort of built. The, these stained glass blocks, with their own narratives, and went up to NCAD to actually discover um, how these were made and, and their glass blocks. They made those blocks then both in the gallery, and up in NCAD, some more challenging workshops. I suppose for for as the you know people get uh, get older, become older. And um, so I suppose it's, it's really just to give an overview um, of some of the things that the gallery is doing and in the context of where this you know James project is situated within that overall context as well but just to just to end with um the, the, the project here we're very excited about it as I say it's actually open to start it's it's only it's just really come together we say now it's just opening and I'm very excited to see how it's actually going to how people are going to engage with it, how people enjoy it, visitors, uh, travellers and how this is going to how people are going to actually respond to it uh, um, as well and what they you know think about it as well. I know there's some people that have already visited it, you know, so it'd be interesting to
1: questions and insights stuff but beforehand. I just I'm just conscious go on. Uh, does anyone have any kind of questions for Rosaline Jessica, Jessica? <laughs>
4: And, and a lot of the, you know, really innovative and brilliant projects that are coming about. But I'm also struck that because a lot of the work of the travel Projects is the day-to-day um, struggle of dealing with, you know, the accommodation crisis, racism and all the other things that we don't necessarily network, except maybe, um, you know, as the opportunity arises through Facebook, the Facebooker, there's no network to talk about all these things that are generated or other galleries. Um, and like I know the Croc Travel Women's Network, um, and a committee of travel women kind of oversaw all the work over the years in the museum. Um, but we're totally guilty of at the very start like how to put quite lost the things were coming in and out and got damaged or you know weren't given the you know and, and that happens but like we're much better at that now. Um, so the idea of stuff being shown and then going into cover at the end Heritage Week. I wonder how common that is and is there a way of swapping it because we can't generate everything all the time and you know there'd be really interesting stuff to start conversations with and learn from. And um, so there's that like and I think it'd be brilliant to start some way of communicating and that, like maybe the only way forward is travellers who are paid uh, <coughs> through arts funding, not taken away from other funding. To be whatever the type of might be, people who are gathering and generating and starting conversations with, you know, um, like all of the cultural uh, places that representation of cultures happen in. Um, so I know last year at the Harbour Festival. different nationalities and no travellers mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and I'd say it was just the last opportunity I don't think they would have said no mm-hmm. yeah. you know um, it was just lack of plugging in and that's it's not going to change homelessness but it might broaden representation mm-hmm. and the other piece um, just to say was through working with the like we had a very good did for years and years we're now in a nice office in a public space but um, the idea of having stuff in public space where people coming in and we never walk into. Project, and um, you know, and um, the learning that was done, like thankfully, Cork Public Museum, and um, from day one said so they felt they weren't qualified to judge anything or you know curate anything, and handed it completely over to work with the work of the tracker which was brilliant. And I, you know, so lucky that they had that vision, and I suppose trusted it as well. And um, but I think we've also learned from them, um, and having experts like Leah McDonough talk about how to you know we weren't making stuff didn't put aside money to get stuff properly framed and i know that might sound like but arts institutions do those things and it's just maybe that stuff doesn't you know might get value a bit better Mm -hmm. um so i think what would be wonderful to see after this would be some kind of way of not tearing people away from all the important day-to-day um you know human rights work and strategic work but find a way of travelers mm. around the country
1: and a yeah. network to talk. And to I think that there is a momentum there. I know at the moment at the in the Castle and the Living History Museum, which is supported by obviously the National Museums of Ireland, there is an exhibition that will be launched later in the month on travellers. And it was uh, actually true, the uh, Primary Healthcare network, the, the Western region that actually people decided what they wanted to include. It. And it was debated viciously, as it should be. <laughs> Do you know, and people were so opinionated, at the idea of like, why are you including this? Like who does this belong to? You mm-hmm. found it in some archive, we don't know any connection to it rather than going, let's find something that we people can have a connection with. Mm-hmm. And as I think we go ahead, like we need to have make sure that that not only do people feel represented, but it's something that's real to them rather than something mm-hmm. that somebody has decided going, This is what you should value. Yeah, yeah are there any additional questions or insights or anything? Yeah. Just
3: on that yeah. as well, because that was brought up as well in, in Paddy Point last week and Clint Ogon group. and that idea of um, at one point, someone was saying, well, what we're talking about, because it was that idea that they were saying, we're bogged down, we're understaffed, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, there's no way we can take this on. And then someone else said, well, what we're talking about doesn't actually exist. So it's not that people take on an extra workload, um, mm-hmm. it's that you lobby or yeah, apply for different types of funding that you haven't before. Um, and actually kind of demand, yeah, like it's a, it's a full-time profession that or different kind of professions, whether it's travel curators or, yeah, it or whatever forced. that yes. need to be kind of brought into a new kind of scheme and that was brought up by uh, a few groups actually as well that it doesn't exist, so it's actually, oh. mm-hmm. um, yeah, it needs to be brought in as something. New. I mean, just the last thing, I was just a part of an application process recently to do with the Traveller Project. And one thing I noticed was they didn't even ask for fees for people. So again, it's that undervaluing cultural work. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that they were being mean. It was like initially it wasn't part of the thinking yeah. to actually when you're looking for a budget. They were they, they had everything else budgeted uh, except for
1: fees for people. And I think, though, i actually the point that the, because we have been undervalued, we at times do undervalue ourselves. I know
6: you want to say something or Yeah, just in moving the conversation forward. And
1: what can happen next?
6: Uh, no, no.
1: Well. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm biased <laughs> towards.
6: But also, I'd acknowledgement of the work that has been done in this area around popular art and culture and heritage. Probably has been doing it for the last... For years, we lost our funding, funding for the culture and heritage project. About ten years ago, one month we lost. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, we 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 continued to be creating and holding from our centers. You know, it's it's so I wouldn't want the idea of elitism around museums Mm -hmm. and the thing that they were the first and the only, because they weren't. We've been doing it.
1: No, no, I I don't want to say there's an increased momentum.
6: No, but I'm just saying, we've been doing it without being reduced. Yeah. But I've been trained, you know. With yeah.
1: No, no. I, I think it actually is happening to you within a lot of travel organizations for many years. Yeah. Like even in and had a had a very small yeah. collective space, and most travel organizations don't I have them.
6: You know, like we have that yeah. we
1: no, no, Yeah. And unfortunately, it has been recognised. But I think going ahead, that's something that is, that should be honoured and identified, yeah. and hopefully, actually resourced again because it is quite it's quite important that if, if Travellers are going to share in the progression and preservation of our history and creativity and culture, and it needs oh to be funded. Ba-
6: this idea of collaboration, and mm-hmm. I don't know Seamus, we had a, a very frank conversation and you manned up, when I said, you know, our history hasn't been through. Not yours and mine, we don't know, but generally between the art world and drama world, we have a very easy relationship and those, if the collaboration and conversation has to develop, we need to acknowledge who has power, who abuses. That power and where travelers, you know, are now at a stage to have parity of esteem where non come are, you know, and, and with that whole yeah. power and raising them. It goes to hand, in hand especially Absolutely. In like this. Yeah, especially
1: I, I just remind people as well as if, um, there's some kind of tea and there's coffee and there's traditionally b- uh, made bread and, um, and i yeah, hope when people actually go away today that they actually consider the words of like a Rosemary and Evie and a Jessica and Chambers but also the sense that like, going I'm very conscious and, uh, and this isn't to, 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 to call us any sort of compliment in the room, the lack of travel voices like we are considering and even here today that we are in a state of struggle that sometimes these are really very really much seen as luxuries. And going ahead, I think that the the idea of working collaboratively in the context of of the rawness of what's actually currently happening to people, never mind what's happened in the past, needs to be honoured, and honoured in a way that we can actually speak openly and bluntly about them, rather than being kind of uh, too soft to each other. Because at the end of the day, these are lives and these are histories, but also these are also potential futures. So I kind of thank very much for for coming.